Hi, Stuart. How are you doing? Hi, Ben. You okay? Yeah, yeah. All good. So we're starting episode one of this new podcast, which we're calling Politics, Renewable Heating and Gas. And the reason why we're doing that is because people often ask me, what do I do for business? And then I say plumbing, heating and gas, PhD. So politics, heating and gas and renewables, obviously, because um, we're going to discuss politics as it pertains to our industry of uh, heating and gas and renewables and all that sort of stuff. So I'm Ben from B Express Plumbing Heating. I'm based in Northwest London, um, and my company, as I said, is B Express Plumbing and Heating. Who are you? And I and I'm Stuart from Manchester. My company is H and H Gas Services. So Ben, you mentioned when we were talking earlier that you went to the Installer Show last week. What can you tell our viewers about that? Yeah, so Installer was really interesting. I went on day one of a three day. Um, exhibition on all things plumbing and heating and it's very very interesting because last year when I went there was this big um, every, every boiler manufacturer that was there was talking about hydrogen boilers but just last week there was um, an announcement by I think Greg Hans who's the minister of of energy uh, or some such and he came along and said that they're no longer considering hydrogen as a fuel to run to people's homes which i think is a fantastic idea there were so many problems with hydrogen and this year not a single boiler manufacturer was there talking about hydrogen they were all talking about um um heat pumps which is fantastic because i believe heat pumps are the future even though they can't be everywhere in every home but they can be in most homes in the uk so what would you say would be suited then for the older housing stock, say the sort of 1910, 1920 build without in, uh, cavity ward installation and, uh, you know, modern doors and windows, maybe very drafty, lots of heat loss. If the government want to ban gas by a specific time and heat bombs won't work in these properties, what, what do you think would be a, a, a solution instead? Yeah, it's a great question. And really, um, I think that a form of heat pumps will always be the answer. Whether that's a heat pump that uses the pipes inside a person's house and heats up your radiators, or whether you use a heat pump as an air conditioning unit, that might be um, the option that we would have in the house. Now, the fact that we've got older properties doesn't take away that heat pumps work. They can still heat up a house with, um, they can still heat up a house, which has giant gaping holes in, in the wall. It's not ideal and it would cost the customer a lot more money to run. But ideally, we would put some sort of maybe inside um, the house insulation, uh, which would take away from the size of the room, but would still insulate the property. Um, they could put secondary glazing, as I've seen in Hampstead, in the Hampstead houses, which is an area where you need uh, really, they've got really strict planning regulations and they won't allow double glazing um, in that area if the house didn't originally have it. So I think you can still do it. Now there's obviously all other options like electric boilers, which I did see at Installer. And I don't, I'm not really that keen on, on electric boilers because, sorry, <coughs> I'm not so ben, keen on Ben, would you mind just explaining to our viewers what a heat pump is and in comparison to maybe a, a combi boiler? Okay, sorry. A combi boiler is what most people will probably have in the house or a version of a combi boiler. Gas comes to the boiler and then there are a minimum of two or three pipes coming off that boiler. That would be a system boiler or heat-only boiler. 
a commie boiler would have five or six pipes. I say five or six because five pipes are actually used to heat your hot water and your heating, but the sixth pipe would normally be the condensed pipe because we nowadays have condensing boilers. A combi boiler would the... give you would give you both heating and hot <clears throat> water all in one product. A heat only or system boiler would give you hot water, which would be then switched by by diverter valves to either heating or hot water to your hot water cylinder. A, a heat pump works in a similar sort of way. It's a central point. It's a it's a it's a unit which is stuck outside in the garden, and it has a big large fan, and it sucks air through a refrigerant which is held in pipework. So I'm now I'm getting quite technical here. Um, and even in very cold temperatures, that cold air still has warmth inside it, which the refrigerant catches. It then gets compressed. And by compressing, it raises the temperature. And that raised temperature goes up into the house. Now, it's, it's a, a renewable technology because for every one kilowatt of electricity that goes into it, there's three, four, or five kilowatts of power, of heat power that goes into your house. So it's classed as a renewable technology. And obviously, as it runs on electricity, if, if renewable electricity is coming through the grid, then it is fully renewable. Um, and Speaking then, of renewable electricity, Ben, uh, yeah. I'd just like to get your thoughts on uh, solar panels. I mean, there is some new technology out there like uh, the Tesla roof. I don't know if you've heard about that, where every single roof tile is actually a solar panel rather compared to the old fashioned where they just stick a block of solar panels on your roof, which some people may say quite ugly. How do you think that could work in conjunction with heat pumps? Um, I think they're great because if you have any type of solar system and a, a, that produce electricity, so normally solar PV, which is what Tesla solar panels are, um, just smaller and more compact and in a way better. Um, and they go into a battery. And from that battery, you can then draw off all the power to the house, which will run also your heat pump, or it can it can feed into the grid and you can sell energy into the grid that you've got for free. But on the other hand, um, you would need a very large battery normally to power your house. So you're normally always drawing off the grid at the same time at a higher cost than you getting free energy from the sun i say free energy from the sun not counting the several thousand pounds that you have to spend in order to have the solar panels put on the wall and the battery as well so that can be quite costly but then after that it's all free uh, so um i do think there's that... also there's also wind um wind turbines that are being made for domestic use nowadays i've started to see quite a few of those in more rural areas such as farms and things like that but yeah. obviously they're not as great as solar yet I don't think that they're really meant for, you you know, a house in London or in Manchester or even a house out in the countryside. I think they're meant for farms, which can give over large amounts of space to these types of projects. I I I don't see a wind farm or wind, wind turbines going up above my neighbour's houses. I do see solar panels uh, and I do see air source heat pumps being installed. So I don't think that that is something that the standard person in the UK would have in their house. So from your point of view, you think hydrogen is gone and air source heat pumps will be the future. Yeah. And maybe electric boilers in you know, places where it's absolutely impossible <clears throat> to put a heat pump or maybe in a flat where it's more difficult to put in a heat pump. But even there, there are solutions. You know, everything costs and and heat pumps in flats cost more. But um, there are ways of getting heat pumps into every house.
Do you think the government should be doing more to upgrade the UK housing stock uh, in regards um, to insulation and things like that? I think that the government's not thinking properly, nor our Labour thinking properly about how we get around these things. There's such a wide aspect of things that need to happen before we can start installing heat pumps in bulk. Um, Boris, when he was PM, um, he's announced 600,000 heat pumps will be installed every year from, I think, 2027, I think it was. It's an impossibility at the moment. There's only 1,500 um, 1500 companies out there that are registered with MCS, which is the government organization to uh, that runs all the different um, micro, can't remember what MCS stands for, um, micro, no, whatever. It's all about all the different renewables that we have going on, whether it's solar panels or whether it's air source heat pumps or ground source heat pumps and anything else that might be there. And there's only 1500 of those companies. And if you're an MCS registered company, then you can offer your customers £5,000 grant to have one of some technologies put in. But that's not enough. If, an, if a normal job costs around £20,000, a £5,000 grant doesn't give you enough money to spend to spec up your house. And that's just to put in the SOC pump, but then you still need to put in better, maybe better double-glazed windows. Uh, you might need to put in um, insulation, like you've said before, and that doesn't cover those those products. So how does the installer become MCS registered? They need to have gone on a load of courses and taken time away from their business and spent a lot of money on those courses. And then they can go and install their first heat pump. But most people don't want um, Ben to install a heat pump when he's never done a heat pump outside of um, other third-party companies. If I'm doing my own first heat pump for you, the customer, why would you trust me to install that heat pump? I've installed many boilers, but I've never installed a heat pump where I've done my own calculations and my own spec. So it's very difficult to get onto the MCS. Um, and then the other thing is, is that at the moment, if I was to say, yes, I can install your heat pump, I can't guarantee you'd get that £5,000 grant because I'm not MCS registered yet. I only get registered after my first installation and it's been checked out. So ben, that, that's know, just on the I installer. Very, ben, I know you're very into heat pumps at the moment. Um what sort of manufacturer warranty are offered with heat pumps? For example, certain boiler manufacturers, such as Valent or Intergas, if you're one of their registered or accredited installers, will offer you up to 12 years, you know, hassle-free, as long as the boiler is serviced every year and, you know, the service booklet is filled in. What sort of thing is there out there? What sort of thing, what sort of thing is there out there, like, for uh, heat pumps? Yeah, that's a really good point because... When I was wandering around installer, I didn't see any spectacular warranty um, uh, warranties given by heat pump companies. Uh, Valent, which offer, like you said, 10 or 12 year warranty on their boilers, on certain ones of their boilers, only offer a maximum seven year warranty on their heat pumps. Um, Nibi, Nibi, or Nibi, however you pronounce that, they only offer, for me, if I was registered with them, they would offer me I've got to get this right. I think it's a two-year uh, warranty out of the box, five-year if I've been registered with them, and seven-year if I'm if I, you know, one of their accredited installers. So, so the max seems to be seven-year, and no one seems to be wanting to go any higher, which is 
slightly uh, and what sort of incentive is there for a customer to pay so much money for a heat pump which is a relatively new and i could say almost untested technology compared to the boiler to boiler swap which you know boilers have been around for many many years now you know i'd say almost over 100 years it's you know 1920s or so and are a tried and tested technology and compared to a heat pump install is relatively cheap say combi to combi swap in the region of two to three thousand pounds compared to spending twenty thousand pounds other and you say there's a government incentive of five thousand pounds but that still leaves fifteen thousand pounds short yes what incentive right. do i have to install one you're right and I, i'm just checking on google when the first heat pump was installed the first heat pump it says here was installed in 1856 in austria <laughs> So heat pumps have been around for a while. The first boiler that's been installed, first boiler, first boiler installation, according to Google, first. I mean, I'm talking more about domestic sort of household boiler installations. I'd imagine um, it was around I the can't, 20s or the 30s. I can't see, yeah. And I know, I think, was it in the 60s or 70s, Worcester Bosch created the first combi? I think. Was it um, that far back home? Yeah. Um, Worcester Bosch. <laughs> I mean, there's all the old Baxi Bermudas and, you know, back borders and things from the 60s and 70s. But, uh, yeah, I think it was before that. Yeah. Um, the, the combi boiler was, I think, in the 60s or 70s. Was That was when the first Worcester Bosch combi boiler ever came out and they were the first apparently. either way it's a cheaper uh, and more efficient technology that's you because know, cost, if that... you're putting gas against electricity it's <laughs> a price cost you know kilowatt of gas versus a, a kilowatt of electricity so there's not much incentive out there for the average homeowner to have one installed is there the benefit is is that if the heat pump system has been designed correctly and the correct radiators have been installed and the correct cylinder has been installed and the correct pipework leading to everything has been installed then you can get um, a, it's called a SCOP, a seasonal coefficiency um, of five, which would be for every one kilowatt of power going in, you get five kilowatts of heat coming out. On a combi boiler or any boiler, then normally badge 93 or 95% efficient. So this is 500% efficient against 93% efficient. So for every one kilowatt of power that goes into a boiler, you get 93% heat output. So you get less than what you put in, and on a heat pump, you get more than what you put in. And it's cheaper to run on gas overall still. That's why it's important. It's important that the, the scop is as high as possible. If you get a scop of two, so you're getting 200% efficiencies, but the cost of electricity is four times more than, than gas. So then you're actually paying double as much to run your heat pump than you would your boiler. If you can get a scop of four, then you're paying the same amount as <clears throat> as gas. And then if you get five, you're actually paying less than gas. But you need to you also need to use it differently. So I think you'd be using this I don't know if you'd be using the same amount of electricity as you would gas when you're putting in a heat pump. I still don't believe there's an incentive there for consumers to buy it. Why should somebody spend a fortune on making their home, you know, uh, energy efficient and then spend another fortune to have a, a heat pump installed when you can relatively cheaply have a combi-to-combi -combi swap 
and you're sorted for the next, you know, 10, 15 years, worry-free. There doesn't, and the £5,000 government incentive is not great. There is no other really incentive. And also, where do you expect homeowners to get all this cash from to fork over? Yeah, so I think, again, government needs to be involved somehow to allow more cash to flow to people to get these to get these technologies put in. That's number one. Number two, why would somebody put in? Well, look at the price of gas at the moment and how it's been fluctuating up and down. Imagine somebody did have solar panels and a battery and heat pump, then they would not be as affected by those price fluctuations and Putin um, for uh, in their own home. Their prices would be lower because they're generating their own electricity. And even if they don't generate their own electricity with solar and batteries and they just have a heat pump, if it's done correctly, they're using less energy than they would if they were to have um, to have gas. Also, gas comes out from out some of it comes from inside the uk some of it comes from outside the uk but your but your electricity could be generated by wind power could be generated by um um a wave you know the, the wave power that they have i think so, tidal it's called yeah thank tidal. you uh, well speaking about uh you know producing energy and things like that if if everybody moves to heat pumps and electric cars and things like that there's not enough investment going on in the national grid to be able to power all that. Yes, I agree. You know, again, government needs to do something in regards to that. I agree. There needs to be a big infrastructure build. I don't know why the government aren't looking at this. The, when the Americans had to get out of the Great Depression, they did a huge build in the in the US. They built the Hoover Dam and they built loads of other things in the US. So why can't we do that in the UK? Why can't we get local for local people trained up and get them invested in in training and building. And why can't we do a big build on on power lines and whatnot, whatever we need to do? I do think that's something that needs to be thought of. But like I said, there's so much that needs to be done. It's not just installers. It's not just power lines that need to be done. Customers need to be given more money. Uh, you know, homeowners need to be given more money to do up their house. And there's so much else that needs to be done. But currently, I don't know how the government affords uh, anything. Uh, uh, let's fast forward sort of 20 30 years say you know electrical cars the normal you know petrol and diesel's been banned uh the end of gas they're not using gas anymore in properties everything is electrical what does that mean for us gas safe registered engineers are we the last sort of generation of engineer gas safe engineers is the gas safe register going to go is it going to be like a obsolete job from then on what will happen to all of us will we have to upskill to maybe you know <clears throat> renewables like solar and and heat pumps or you know what does it mean for people like us i think over the next 10 to 20 years as more people move off gas and as gas prices climb um it's going to be unaffordable for people to have gas boilers so they're going to have to move on to other technologies and they're, they're not going to have a choice um i do think that that can you repeat what you just said i just didn't get that what will happen to sort of the last generation of gas engineers us yeah. in the next 20 or 30 years? I think more, instead of us doing a gas course, instead of apprentices doing a gas course, they're going to start doing, they're going to be way more electricians, maybe electricians who also are <laughs> able to do plumbing. And then you've got a yeah. heat pump. Um, I do think that you and I, um, I'm, I've just hit 40, you're slightly younger than me. Um, I think you and I are really possibly the last of the gas engineers. Maybe we should create a company. The last of us or some such <laughs> charity yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Poor, you know help help for the poor gas engineers yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely 
Definitely. Um, I wanted to ask you as well. I know you mentioned you saw a few new technologies mm. uh, in the installer show, such as the, um, you know, uh, direct heat taps. I think there's a couple of uh, companies that do that. Cooker with a QU and uh, Quettle. Oh, I don't know how you say that, but it's yeah. like K Q U E T T L E. Uh, is there something you could tell our viewers about that? Yeah. So Kettle spelled Q E T T L E. There's no U. Um, Kettle. Um, it was the one that I saw installed. I didn't see Cooker there. And I really like their product. It's similar to Cooker, but Cooker have electronic LEDs and whatnot on there to make let you know that you're using boiling water or they're using um, refrigerated water. Um, kettle offered slightly different products, all mechanical. So if you were to get a problem with a kettle, you could get basic replacements, similar to as if you were repairing a tap. It's that easy to do, as opposed to cooker where certain components are electrical and so maybe you wouldn't feel so sure of replacing them. So it's much easier to repair, and I like that as well. And they also do boiling water. They also do refrigerated water. They also do filtered water. Kettle have so many other options. You could, on kettle, you, on, on cooker, you could have, um, um, uh, you know, the bubbly water. You could get that from your tap. So... And there are other things that you can do, I think. But the, the price difference is huge. I mean, I spoke to a supplier of mine just earlier today. And if I wanted to put in the cooker flex and also the water <laughs> the water filter, and that would come to that would come to a price of around a thousand pound plus fat. So one thousand two hundred thereabouts. Um, if I wanted to go all in and get the cooker flex, the cube, which gives that you the bubbly water. And also, um, and also the scale reducer, that comes to nearly two thousand pound plus fat. So those are both cooker devices. The kettle device um, I put over here. Um, if I were just to get a tap and a water filter, then I'd be looking at around. Hmm. Oh, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong website. I'd be looking at around £867, including VAT, um, and that would include a seven-litre hot water unit, which would be enough for me and my family, and also the chilled water filter. So less than £1,000 for what they are charging me um, just over £1,000 for. Um, and Kettle doesn't offer the funky features of, of Cooker, so the two thousand pound option from Cooker doesn't exist within within Kettle. And another thing that Kettle don't do is they don't have a pull-out spout, which a Cooker does. So that might sway how a customer thinks about it. But there is a saving there of normally between three and five hundred pound between the two different companies. So I would definitely be pushing the Kettle to my customers. That's one thing I really liked that I saw at um, I saw installer. And another thing I really liked was a new intergas hybrid air source heat pump. Um, so if you've installed any intergas boilers, which I've installed many and you've installed a few, um, intergas boilers, uh, particularly combi boilers, over the past few years, since 2015, you can get a small outdoor unit and a small indoor unit, which you plumb together. And then you have a hybrid heat pump. And whenever the customer wants heating, the little heat pump kicks in and gives you and gives you 
some heat and then the boiler kicks in to give you the rest and hot water is all done off the combi boiler so you still have gas but you're still saving around 80 percent they claim of your gas bill because you've got this outdoor unit now this does need f gas so f gas is the use of refrigerants which That's i can't do because i am i are you and i are both gas safe registered which means we can work with gas for boilers but f gas is refrigerant gas which neither i don't think either of us are registered for um so we would need somebody to do that little bit of extra pipe work um but intergas have come up with this nice way of dealing with it so there'd be a one-off cost for us and also they pay they they would also help us engineers to become f gas registered so that would be really handy i think for the future when heat pumps have that option so those, those were really cool new two of the new technologies that i saw there interesting yeah interesting um so much other things have happened in the week like a couple of weeks ago, like I say, Greg Hands came out and said hydrogen's not uh, a no-go at the moment. Um, the UK government have announced certain things going on with heat pumps that I'd like to talk about next week. And also Labour have come out and they've had a whole policy release about what they want to do with renewables. Um, and I would like to discuss that with you next week and see how it affects us gas engineers out down on the ground. Yeah, in terms of uh, business, taxation, uh, general day-to-day -day regulation, yeah. things like that. These are all what, things What that things might cover. be cha changing and how we deal with it and how it affects our clients and our customers. Yes, all to be upcoming in the next couple of episodes. Yes, indeed. Fantastic. All right. Thank you very much to all of our listeners. And we'll yes, see you next thank week. You. See you next week. Thank you. Bye.